0: Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Life Members Podcast. Hope you all are doing well today. Watch auctions were in full swing this past weekend in <laughs> Geneva. This season, I think condition was really at the forefront of the minds of the auction houses. I really enjoyed the wide selection of watches um, that sold, um, and, and some fairly significant lots as well. But I really think that that the auction houses focused on condition um, this last weekend in Geneva. I think it also really, you know, gets you excited uh, for the next auction, which is going to be in Hong Kong coming up, so things to look forward to, but what I thought I would do is talk through some of the lots that I thought were quite interesting at each of the auction houses, Um, and I'll put links in the show notes in this uh, podcast so you can kind of follow along. So, the first one I wanted to talk about, and obviously was in the title of this this podcast, is uh, the... um, from the rare watch auction at Christie's which was Lot 84 it was um, the Patek Philippe Nautilus Tiffany Blue dial 5711 obviously the the first Tiffany Blue I'll try to keep this short because I think everyone's spoken about th- these watches but the first one sold for 3.2 million um, the watch that sold at, at uh, Christie's sold for uh, 2.2 million so you could say that this was on sale <laughs> um, but uh, it's pretty interesting that um, one of these showed up at auction. I'm sure that the owner of it was probably spoken to pretty pretty drastically um, by uh, by Patek Philippe um, for, for selling it, and I'm sure that's going to be quite difficult for them to get a get their watch, but a decent payday for them, uh, 2.2 million Swiss francs versus um, the probably f- you know 57,000 I think it was at uh, at retail. Sticking with the Christie's. Um, the Christie's rare watches auction. Um, I wanted to talk through a watch that I've mentioned in a previous podcast, which was the Yegor um stainless steel triple calendar watch with moon phase and a beautiful black dial from the nineteen from nineteen fifty. I thought this was an extremely rare and really attractive um, version of this watch. I'm a huge fan of these. I, I think I've had a couple of them in the uh, over the past in, in my you know over the past uh, couple of years. Um, the estimate was eight to twelve thousand. This thing sold for by uh, 420 Swiss francs. Um, I think again. I think this was really a good indication of what condition, how important condition was during this last auction. If you look at the dial, the dial is like basically untouched, and I think it's confirmed by, by, um, by uh, Christie's that it, it's an untouched original black dial, which is um, incredibly beautiful. Um, the the hands match the. The the beautiful, um, beautifully loomed um, hour markers, which are um, numbers instead of numerals, or indicator, just like you know indicators. So a really really cool cool lot, and I was really excited that it that sold for above the estimate. Um, um, And I wanted to talk about something a little bit different. There's a Patek Philippe um, lighter that sold nine five zero eight was the reference from the nineteen eighties. Um, if you follow collectability I, I highly recommend if you're interested in Patek Fleep you follow collectability because they have such a wealth of knowledge um, John Reardon does an incredible job over there um, but they recently spoke about lighters um, on, on, on their website and they've sold a couple in the past um, this is an incredibly beautiful 18 karat gold and enamel uh, green enamel uh, lighter um, from the 1980s as I mentioned um, these things are just such cool um cool gadgets and I think they're becoming more significant as time sort of goes on. People want to uh want to own these kind of cool gadgets. I think MBNF actually does a really nice job of balancing the mad gallery in these. Um the estimate was twelve to eighteen thousand Swiss francs It sold for just shy of fifty-three thousand. Um obviously I think that's with buyers premium so shifting gears a little bit I'm gonna move on to Anticorum. I think the the big lot that was spoken about was Lot 450, which was the the reference 1252 chameleon in yellow gold. Um, this was one of two known, the other one being in the Protect Fleet Museum. Um, estimate was 50 to 100,000 Swiss francs. It sold for 387,500 Swiss francs. I'm not going to lie, I was hoping for half a million. Um, I think it's a, a significant enough wash that, for it to sell at that price, but... This is an incredible achievement for this watch. Um, it also is an incredible achievement for it, potentially at auction. So congrats um, to the buyer, congrats to Antiquorum. It really is a cool lot. Um, we'll have to see if any of these turn up after this last result, um, or excuse me, after, after this result, um, if anyone's maybe got one of these chameleons hiding away in, uh, in their collections. I mentioned this watch in, in one of these previous um, auction um, auction previews, but um, there was a, and I've mentioned a section on our Instagram as well, that uh, there was a reference, E857 Memovox Deep Sea, um, which uh, I had spoken to about on Instagram as a sort of, you have to appreciate the condition of this watch. It definitely is in all original condition, but the bezel, Is not an untouched condition, which might deter some collectors. Um, It sold for 30,000 Swiss francs, which was the top estimate. Between 20 and 30 was the estimate. I do think this probably went to a collector who appreciates this type of condition. The all originality and the sort of life that it's lived is um, definitely apparent with this one. I know I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that condition was at the forefront. I do think it goes the entire spectrum, both condition in all originality, but also in really high quality originality. Sticking with Antiquorum, there was a reference five seventy with a black dial that sold for one hundred thirty one thousand, which was um, well above the fifty to eighty thousand Swiss franc estimate. Black dial Calatravas are very difficult. This was confirmed by the by the um, by the archives, um, and was uh, was in really good condition for something that's in 1941, especially with a black dial. Um, this came from Germany, which also was kind of cool to, to think about what was going on in 1941. Um, there was also an incredibly beautiful, and this was all over Instagram, um, an incredibly beautiful pink gold in um, 1463 with pink um, gold dial. It was quite interesting that this didn't sell for much more than I, than than what it did. Fourteen sixty threes are really um, are really popular. The estimate was two hundred fifty to four hundred fifty thousand Swiss francs. It only sold for three hundred twenty five. The only thing I can think of is perhaps the condition wasn't in wasn't uh, wasn't perfect. Um, the hallmarks looked pretty pretty good on the sides of the case. The only thing I can think of is maybe the lugs look a little bit. Um, or at least the top of the lugs look a little bit um, soft but I, I couldn't imagine that this that would deter someone from really um, really going in maybe the market for 1463 pink on pinks are just a little bit softer um, it is a beautiful watch and i um, definitely very jealous of the new owner um, another watch that I think was a sort of hallmark for the um Phillips was um, the Audemars Piguet yellow gold chronograph with full calendar and moon phase reference 831 I mentioned this on my Instagram but I do think it's one of the most significant watches to sell it's hard to get vintage Audemars Piguet it's hard to get complicated vintage Audemars Piguet um, the estimate was 150 to 300,000 this went for well above at 736,600 I think that is with buyers premium um, again I think I, for me, I think this shows the significance of, of Audemars, vintage Armand Piguet to the market. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some other things pop up now that this has sort of achieved this sort of result. Um, I think maybe in the next year or two we could see a trend towards these. What's even crazier is this watch was only 33 millimeters in diameter. A lot of vintage watch collectors of, sort of, you know, shy away from these sizes because they don't really fit on the, in the modern, modern market. But for me, this would be a perfectly sized watch for my wrist. Sticking with Phillips, um, lot three was a Cartier Pebble. This was number seventy one of one hundred and fifty pieces that were manufactured in twenty twenty three. It sold for one hundred six thousand six hundred eighty. Estimate was thirty to sixty thousand. Um, I think this was. Um, there were a lot of questions. I think going into the year of whether or not vintage. Cartier or watches of these smaller sizes um, would really um, continue to be popular. But I do think this shows the resilience of, of um, that sort of trend. I think you, I have been seeing some collectors wearing small dressy uh, PSG watches. Um, and I think this is a nice sort of um, example of how this uh, could probably be um, could probably um, be a trend that will continue over the next uh, next year. Another watch that I have spoken about is um, the uh, Pliguet, um dive watch with a big light bezel and date that was in absolutely incredible condition, something that I, I haven't seen this type of condition on this watch um, for a very long time. It's estimated to go between forty and 80,000 Swiss francs, went for 120,000 Swiss francs. Um, I was expecting more, if I'm completely honest, these are sw- really, really rare, I think it's known that there's something like 10 of these that were ever produced. Um, or a very small amount of these that were ever produced. Um, there was another example that sold for 131,000 Swiss francs in 2018. Um, excuse me, I found it here. Less than 60 examples of this were, were made. Um, it went for around the same as what it went for, the other example went for in 2018. And for some reason, I just thought it was gonna go for more because I do think the condition on this one was even better. Um, so maybe a soft result for, for vintage divers. One of the watches that sold for I want to say one of the highest prices this this was, uh, past weekend there was a Rolex reference sixty two seventy, which was um, really really rare in yellow gold uh, chronograph. It's a Cosmograph with diamond puffet dial, sapphire indices, uh, brigade diamond set bezel, and uh, it still had the original case back on it. It was also phenomenal, uh, basically original with condition It really was really was not worn. There was super sharp bevels with um a little bit of oxidation on the on the um gold um bracelet yellow gold bracelet um it's sold for a whopping 3.69 million swiss francs estimate was 1.2 and 2.4 million swiss francs mm-hmm. um this is huge and i think it shows the the desire to have to collect maybe some oddball uh chronograph Rolex chronographs um so still a lot of resilience i think for uh for those one of the lots that i think was probably one of the headliners was um, the Biver uh, unique titanium cadenon minute repeater tourbillon watch that was a prototype with an obsidian dial um, obviously Biver, Jean-Claude Biver and Son launched um, launched their brand and um, i think there were mixed opinions on these i think definitely showed a lot of watchmaking prowess which is impressive and I think describes Jean-Claude Biver and his son, sort of their vision for the company um, but some people say, you know, <laughs> another tourbillon minute repeater is or another tourbillon minute repeater is um, it's uh, definitely definitely something, uh, there's a lot of them out there and I uh, don't know if the watch world really need another one, I don't know where I fall I do think it's a really beautiful watch regardless and I think they've, they've presented in a really nice way and um, I think it is a, definitely a powerhouse for one of their first watches that they've ever produced. I would definitely love wearing it. Um, what was interesting is um, this was sold by Phillips, and um, the estimate was actually on request so they didn't actually give a ban for these. I think the, the production ones that they're selling were something around 500,000 Swiss francs. This one sold for 1.27 million Swiss francs so well above what um, what the... Uh, Um, what the estimate was Um, if you flip flip the watch over you can see that the movement is signed prototype one and then at the bottom it says prototype pour JCB so this was a watch that was made for Jean-Claude there and was um, sold Um, it's a whoever owns it now I think is definitely um, you know I'll read from Phillips he said the present watch will also be Unique in its configuration, as will be the only Beaver watch in titanium with silver obsidian dial. Never again will this configuration be used for anyone else, other than the owners of this piece. He or she has the option of commissioning his or her next Bvlgari pieces in titanium and obsidian, as such. As such, these watches will remain unique. So basically, what you're buying here is the opportunity to have this configuration on all your other Bvlgari watches, which I think is a pretty cool thing that was purchased so the watch collector probably has a nice little in with the brand here um i'm moving on to Sotheby's uh Sotheby's had a really cool reference 96 from 1979 i know the reference 96 is um is uh is a person you have to have a personal taste to really um to really like these um these watches they are a little bit smaller so they won't really fit your um fit your wrist Um, but this watch was in really cool condition so i'm a huge fan of when gold oxidizes i think it gives watches a very unique look to themselves um this one was super oxidized around the outside of the watch on the on the lugs um on the case sides of the case the condition this was overall really really strong um estimate six to eight million, six to eight million. That'd be cool for a reference ninety six. Now, six to um, Swiss francs. It sold for seventeen point seventeen thousand seven hundred eighty Swiss francs. I think it showed that this was what I was speaking about when it came to condition. Perfect example of how unique condition like this will attract buyers, and it attracted me. I, I love, um, I love oxidation on cases because I do think it makes the watch just a little bit more unique. Last watch I wanted to talk about was also a Sotheby's. It was a vintage uh, Patek Philippe. Uh, They described it as a rectangular shape, number 10 yellow gold watch from 1907. This has a rectangular case with a really beautiful clean dial. Um, These watches I think have become um, somewhat desirable as people sort of move move towards Towards owning watches that are a little bit more dressy, a little bit, um, a little bit, uh, a, little bit, um, a, little bit um, a little bit more classic and smaller in size. Um, the the movement was actually double signed J B Hudson and Sons, which was a retailer that, um, that sold this watch. Um, the watch was, however, um, restored. The dial had been refinished, and the hands' numerals no longer had radium on them so you were getting um this does have a restored dial but at the same time a really beautiful looking watch um and incredible case um to say the least if you flip the watch over it's um it actually has an engraving on it which is says as you best avery jr in mason city uh, iowa january twelfth, nineteen 1922 so a pretty cool piece of history there Sold for sixty eight thousand. estimated between 68000 sold for 10000 um, This is obviously not maybe on their all original condition that I mentioned before, but still a really strong result for something that did have um, some, some finishing on it. I wanted to end on this piece because maybe this is an indicator that, um, that uh, the definition for condition and what collectors are desiring may be changing. Maybe we are sort of opening up to the idea that if you get something restored and it's done well, and tries to bring it back to its fall original condition, or to its original condition, or original um, design intent, you might end up with something that um, that can still be valued by collectors, and um, can be an important part of someone's uh, personal collection. So, who knows, we'll have to see if that, if that sticks, but um, some really cool, some cool lots. So, if I kind of summarize, I think there were some significant watches, like the 1252 uh, Chameleon from Patek Philippe, we had a pretty cool, um, some pretty cool, sort of unique looking watches like the full calendar corner on our PGA or the, the Brigade um, dive watch with the Bakelite bezel that was in really great condition. Um, condition varied across all these watches whether it was a re- refinished dial like that, um, that rectangular Patek Philippe or if you were looking at something like the regular culture triple calendar with black dial, um, that's all sold at, uh, at Christie's. Originality, um, so condition buried originality um, could be interpreted in many different ways and I think it's showing that people are open to, to all, these different, um, all these different ways of collecting So, let me know what your favorite lot was from the auction I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, hit us up on Instagram um, you can also follow us there we post there uh, pretty often so if you want to get some more um, watch content from me um, can head over to life and the rest uh, on instagram check out our website for some articles and videos on youtube cha- on our youtube channel if you want to see those as well if you are new to the, to the podcast be sure to follow us and share this with a friend who might be interested in watches and if you would not mind me reading this podcast please help me out and with this said, guys thank you so much for listening to this podcast and until next time